Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Jack Mueller with Cecil Mueller. Before we get to this week's episode, though, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Go Brand Go, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Edward Jones, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Jack Mueller. Jack Mueller, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me this morning. Thank you so much, Brian. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, we got connected through Tracy, who um, I have known for quite a while through marketing and uh, networking and things like that here in St. Louis. And so really kind of excited to talk to you about, you know, kind of your career path and what the future holds for you and your views on leadership and things along those lines. So why don't we kind of start there? Let's talk to me about growing up and kind of uh, what your career path to Cecil Mueller has been like, and then we'll dive into that a little bit further in the show. Sure. Um, so just to orient me in the St. Louis community, um, I grew up in St. Joe Cottleville, uh, out in St. Charles. Uh, that made me like a private school kid growing up um, in the at, at Cottleville. I was part of some gifted programs. And I went to this program called Spectra at the local public school. Um, and that kind of showed me that I wanted to do uh, something a bit more challenging. And that led me to Priory High School, uh, which starts in seventh grade. So left Cottleville. And there I really, I really grew into the man I feel like I am today. Um, that was sports and academics and music and languages. You know, I learned Chinese there. I was part of leadership there. Um, really felt like i did it all in my high school experience. So that led me to um, picking Purdue as a, as a graduate program or as an undergraduate program. And I studied engineering there, uh, joined a frat, did the college thing, um, learned that there's more to life than that. And was <laughs> eager to get into the workforce by the end of it. Um, one, you're just broken out of money by the end of that. Um, but two, you are eager to prove yourself on a more professional level. Um, so I started working at Raceline in St. Louis, which is an engineering firm here. They make modularized systems. Um, and I had a great opportunity with them to get uh, great worldly experience. They sent me to China. They sent me to Thailand. It was a really great experience working for them. Um, but sometime around COVID, uh, I started rethinking my priorities. And I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Do I really want to be a general manager for 
an engineering company in China, not so much. Um, I think yeah. I would rather head back to the family business. And while that was never the plan, um, it's been really good coming back. It's a good alignment of my goals. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned something there. We chatted about this previously, but you're pretty fluent in Chinese, correct? Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't say uh, conversationally anymore. It's been a few years, but definitely something that I could pick back up and I can read and write it. Now, I've been told that's one of the hardest languages to learn. Would you agree with that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, my experience with it was so was so rich and I picked it up so quickly that I don't see how people could have a hard time with it. I think really? I just have really great teachers. Yeah. You know, in the English alphabet uh, or in the English language, you actually do read words pictographically. You've probably seen those interesting um, sentence structures before where all the letters in the word are mixed up, but somehow you can still read the sentence. Oh yeah. I think yeah. You're taking the image of the word and interpreting it into the word that you expect it to be. Same thing's going on with Chinese. So even though there's all sorts of lines and character strokes, um, you, you just pick it up pictographically. And because it's all incremental in little squares, the, the, the data process download that you get from reading Chinese is much quicker than English. You know, it's more efficient in paper space. Um, so learning Chinese actually gets you into the mind of a Chinese person. You know, all languages that you learn give you the perspective of the people that speak it. Um, but learning Chinese, I was like, oh, yeah, there's no wonder why these people are so good at science and mathematics. Their language is, is essentially equations. Um, so they can they can very easily fit the mathematical mindset to their linguistic mindset. And it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. That's uh, yeah. I've always always been kind of interested. I you know, I went to, I I did uh, Spanish, obviously. I think that's the, the, the go-to in high school and college. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I find it inter interesting that you don't think it's as hard as everybody says it is, but uh, maybe you're just uh, way more intelligent than I am. <laughs> <laughs> definitely have a language gift. Uh, other things are definitely difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you also mentioned there kind of in the opening that, you know, you came back to the family business of Cecil Mueller. So why don't we kind of talk about that? Talk to us about Cecil Mueller what Cecil Mueller is for those out there who don't know and kind of what led you back to the family business. So if you're on the inside, then you'll know that it's Cecil Miller and it's hard for everybody because, you know, Miller is spelled Mueller. Um, it's just how our German family has always said it. So um, at Cecil Miller, uh, we're general contractors. We generally prefer to be turnkey developers, um, but we'll fit kind of any contracting position in the, con in the construction experience. Um, obviously, we would love to control the real estate and the design and the execution and the handover uh, just because that makes our job easier. It makes the project bigger and we feel like it's generally more fluid. Um, but we also have a real estate company. So we buy and sell properties in St. Louis. Um, a lot of that is for our Dollar General account um, for which we build, I think, 20 DGs a year. Um, and for natural gas fueling solutions, um, which is our sales company. Uh, then we focus on hydrogen fueling and compressed natural gas fueling. So our big market segments are turnkey development as a GC, uh, real estate brokerage, and then natural gas fueling solutions is our uh, alternative fueling uh, department. 
Very interesting. So going back to the name, you have a name kind of like mine, then my last name is Bisking. It's spelled B-U-E-S-K-I-N-G. And everybody calls me Busking or Busking, yep. things like yeah. that. So I totally feel your pain there. And I apologize for uh, for messing that up. Uh, oh, I was yeah. reading it off my notes and that's how it came off. So, Absolutely. so you yeah. probably have the umlaut over the U uh, yep. in your German name. Yep. Yep. So I'm German as well. So, yep. um, yeah. So so tell me, you know, you, you mentioned what you guys do, which is $20 generals a year. That's a, seems like a lot. How many employees do you guys have at your organization? Uh, just under 50. Uh, just I think under we have 50. 49 as of last month. So, so you're smart. You're trying, trying to stay under that 50 mark. <laughs> That's right. It, it, it really changes once you get above 50. So oh, it sure does. Let me tell you, it, especially in the insurance world. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Yep. Okay. So tell me about your path back to the, to the family business. What, what prompted you to come back and, you know, kind of what is your, what is your desire now that you're back? So the trajectory at Raceline was GM between them and China. And even at the maximum deployment of that career path, I wasn't really excited about where that brought me. Uh, I thought the can industry would be fine on its own, regardless of who was in it. Um, you know, it's so big and it's immovable. Um, but I felt like the impact that I could have at the family business was one that the position I was filling was needed to be filled. There was no, there was no person coming up that was going to take over Cecil Miller. Um, my sister was working here for a few years. Um, and you know, they were thinking maybe she could do it, but she doesn't have the right, um, vision, I would say, um, before I go forward, I mean, she is, she's an extremely effective PM. She runs all of our HR and administrative stuff. Her skill set leads her to being a good organizational leadership position within our company. But nobody was thinking in terms of sales, in terms of business development, um, in terms of where we could go as a company, all of the new technology available in the construction market. And I felt like that vision was mine to provide. Um, and it, and it seems like when I got here that people did kind of breathe a sigh of relief, like, okay, we, we've got vision for another 30, 40 years in the industry. Sure. So yeah, that's what, that's with my dad and my uncle who is CEO and president with them leaving. Um, that's kind of the role myself and my sister are trying to fill. So myself and my dad's and my sister and my uncle's. Yeah, well, and you know, I talk to a lot of individuals who um, work in the family business. Father, uh, you know, runs it, or grandfather started it. Actually, this episode that we had on last week with um, Dan Weiss of Weiss Drywall, you know, he he grew up yeah. in the family business, and and now he's kind of taken over leadership, and he has he started another organization called Weiss Weiss Offsite. Um, there's also, always seems to be kind of some. I don't want to say challenges, but um, yeah, I guess challenges would be the right word of kind of that transition from one generation to the next generation and kind of how do you, how do you sustain the success of the business also bring um, stability to the employees that work there, knowing that, you know, things aren't going to drastically change. Right. Um, and also, but also kind of take the business to the next level, whether that be, you know, you know, different products, different solutions, whatever that may be. Um, so I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a, a you know, a, um, a teeter totter, um, between you and your sister that you guys are going to have to manage over the next, you know, several years, but it sounds like you got a pretty good head on your shoulders to be a position in that position to kind of take, take the organization to the next level. Yeah, no question. 
So talk to us about uh, COVID. I always ask my guests here as of late, and uh, I, I actually thought we were kind of getting to a point where I may not ask this question anymore, but <laughs> um, I just I turned on the news this morning, and now there's a new variant out there, it sounds like, that everybody's freaking out about. So we will see how that pans out. But um, talk to me about COVID and how how did you guys manage through the COVID crisis, You know, being in the general contracting space, real estate space? How did that affect you all, and how did you kind of lead through it? So as you probably know, the construction industry got whacked by material lead times. Things got pushed back so far. It it inevitably lengthened all of our project schedules. Um, And and owners weren't expecting to hear that. Um, Subcontractors weren't expecting to hear that. So fortunately, we made it through um, really unscathed. Um, Of course, we had some lead times that push out our schedules, but we actually executed everything far within um, the lead times that we had even seen. So we found alternate suppliers. We used our network of subcontractors to finish work sooner than might have been provided uh, based on the market alone. Um, you know, we never laid off a, a single employee. In fact, we hired people during the pandemic. Um, I think the office was open the whole time. We maintained sanitary work environment. We allowed symptomatic employees to self-quarantine. Uh, during periods of peak cases, if people wanted to work from home, we allowed that. We bought them the equipment that they needed to do work from home. Uh, we largely saw no interruptions to productivity. Uh, we probably had some sales get pushed into the next period, but beyond that, nothing lost. That's good. That's great mm-hmm. to hear, actually. Let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's dive into leadership. Um, why don't you share with us kind of what your views are on leadership and, and company company leadership? Sure. So I'm young here and I I don't feel like I'm quite a leader yet, but the the position I hold is leader to be. And I occupy a privileged position as that leader to be because I am both peer and superior. Um, So currently I'm just listening to as many employees as I can talk to. I'm really engaging them in improvement efforts. So I think that communicate the communicative aspect of leadership is really important. And that's something that I'm fostering now actively. But I would also say solidly, and this is something we hit on earlier, is that vision is an element of leadership and then being able to speak it. So you have to be able to see and articulate um, the goods, the bads, the betters in the organization um, to be an effective leader. And because I do hold that perspective, I feel like it makes me um, an effective change agent and a trustworthy leader because they know that I'm looking for the highest and best good for everybody within the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I also think, you know, that you, um, you, you kind of mentioned there, you're kind of, you come in and you're young and you, you're, you're trying to figure it all out. Um, you can't, I, you can't come in just being a, an immediate leader in that organization. Obviously your family's still there running it. Right. Um, but I think you just hit a really valuable point there is you're, you're listening um, to the employees there and kind of um, I guess soaking it all in maybe is the best way to describe it. So that when you get to that point where you become the leader of the organization, you've been able to kind of work through the, you know, um, through some of those communications with those employees, you know, and right now you're, are you a project manager right now? Is that what you are currently? Yeah. Yep. Project manager. 
So again, you're, you're coming in and kind of working your way up to the top. It's not like you just came in and were immediately CEO or COO or something like that. So yep. you're in the trenches with them, just like, uh, you know, just like they are today. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk to me about the company culture that you guys have there at um, your organization and talk to me a little bit about how that can impact the company. So I'd, I'd say our company culture is largely laid back family business understanding and wearing many hats. Um, you know, you'll ride or die here based on whether or not you perform your job well. Um, it doesn't mean that we're going to treat you better or worse than anybody else here. In fact, we just tend to treat everybody like a long lost cousin. Um, you know, we're concerned about family life and um, just your personal day to day. We always look out for people that way. Um, but also if you're not getting work done, then we're a small business. Our margins are low and it's always like, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. We're not upset with you. This is just the way it is. And we want to be a successful company. So it's like, uh, it's like a family with high standards <laughs> <laughs> Sure, so company leadership. And then what that means for an organization is simply you want everybody to be marching to the same drum, but you don't want to be writing the music for every single person. It's kind of like provide the rhythm of life and work. And then other people will adapt to that. They'll kind of dance to that rhythm on their own and, and figure their own ways out from the, from the core company culture. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and to your point, company culture can, um, you know, either, either the, the company culture is already set and, you know, I can be obviously tweaked and, and changed here and there, but some people may not fit into that company culture and that's okay. Like you mentioned, it's a, um, it, it is what it is, so to speak. And, uh, but I think a, a family business like yours and, um, usually, you know, a lot of people are either are cut out to work in a small business and a family business, or they want to be in the corp, you know, the big corporate life. And thankfully I'm more of the small business type guy, but, um, it, yeah, it's, it's not for everyone, but it, for those that it makes a good fit for work and obviously be very impactful. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you've, you've obviously had a pretty successful career up to this point and obviously got a bright future ahead of you. Have there been any books or podcasts or, or leadership classes or things that you have either read or taken over the last several years that are kind of positioning you so that when you do become that leader of, of, of your uh, family business, kind of that you're, you're ready to go or kind of talk to us a little bit about that. So I'll give you a few examples here. And I would say that none of these things are specifically career oriented. It's more the fact that I apply my understanding of how to behave as a human day to day to my profession. So I would say foundationally, um, The Art of Power by John Meacham, that's about Thomas Jefferson. That was a really, really foundational book for me. I read that in high school. Um, that kind of set in stone my ideas about estate planning, permaculture, thinking empirically, thinking of yourself as an empire. So where are your assets? Where are your liabilities? Um, and then how to win friends and influence people. That's maybe a cliche uh, a career book, but that's Dale Carnegie. And that's all about relationships. That's people want to be listened to. They want to be loved and cared about. And even if you're not really into the person you're talking to, affording them the benefit of just quiet attention gets you so far in your business. And sometimes you are just maybe being dismissive. And if you sit and listen, like we talked about earlier, listening is important. Um, you'll get a lot out of your relationships. Um, so maybe along that same line of 
empirical thinking, assets and liabilities, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, maybe another cliche book, but really foundational for me. Um, you need to have more assets than you have liabilities. Um, that's like a cold fact of life. And maybe not everybody wants to own that, but if they were to own it, then they would realize that freedom's on the other side of that equation. And right. I can be that support rod of my network. I can improve the asset side of that equation for everybody in my life and in my professional career too, for my business partners, for my clients. Um, so there may be books that have gotten me to where I am today. Podcast wise, 99% Invisible. It's a design podcast that got me into the podcast space. Joe Rogan experience. Uh, obviously, I'm a young guy. I love <laughs> comedians and scientists. I think everybody listens to Joe Rogan, by the way. <laughs> I think the whole world does. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy puts out more podcasts. I mean, every time I turn around, there's another one out. There's like three and four a week. Mm-hmm. He's got 10 million people listening to them like a day, it seems like. Yep, uh, Spotify gave him 100 million bucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what a what a business he's got turned in down there in uh, Austin, Texas. I mean, wow. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think I appreciate you sharing those books. A couple of those books I've I personally read: "Rich Dad Poor or "Rich Dad Poor Dad." You great book, yep. and the Dale Carnegie book was a uh, obviously I read that a long time ago. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a firm believer that you got to continue to educate yourself and read books and uh, you know listen to podcasts or li- going to leadership um, you know events. You know, I was part of EO for a while here in St. Louis and. Um, all those things, you just pick out little pieces that you can apply to your day-to-day life and it can make a huge, huge difference in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, you know, Jack, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. Uh, so if you could leave us with something today, whether that be on, you know, your personal life or your, our business attribute, what could you leave us with today? Uh, I'd say that stay humble. We obviously don't know anywhere near as much as we think we do. We like to tell ourselves we know a lot, but be able to laugh at yourself, be able to laugh at the absurdity of life and then take yourself seriously. So have that baseline of being humble and silly, but then know that you can do things that you aim at cool things that you want to do with your life. You can absolutely achieve. Um, and so take yourself seriously in that regard. And when life gets you down and there's obstacles and stuff, just remember it's, an, it's all a game we play. Um, it's a bit absurd, um, but that there are things that you can do. Absolutely. Well, that's a, a great piece of advice. And I, you know, I know I wish you nothing but the best kind of here in your future endeavors. And I know you'll be a great STL leader for many years to come. So on behalf of my show, the STL Leaders Podcast, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your wisdom. Absolutely. Brian, thanks a lot for the opportunity. Thank you.